Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You are listening to the Women's Podcast, brought to you by Green and Black's Organic Chocolate. Chocolate to savor. You're listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. I've been off for a bit and I'm still mostly off having a lovely staycation in beautiful Dublin. I've been all over the place, down to the cliffs of Dorky, up to Dublin Zoo, which was so lush and gorgeous. I highly recommend a trip around there. Um, I've been out to Bray where I played my ukulele. Can you hear it there? on the stony beach um actually i've been playing a lot of ukulele and i'd say my kids and my partner will be glad when i'm back off my holiday and i don't have so much time on my hands anyway i'm going to pop out of my staycation just to introduce an interview i did a couple of weeks ago with an amazing woman i know you're all going to be fascinated by her name is julia cameron And she is the author of a book I can only describe as having a cult-like following. And I do mean cult in the very best way. Uh, Cameron wrote the book after discovering a number of tools designed to unblock people's creativity. Her tips and her strategies proved so popular that it was inevitable she would put them all in a book, which she did back in the early 1990s. And her words since then and the programme have inspired millions of people around the world, including people like writer Elizabeth Gilbert and Alicia Keys to move past their creative blocks. Now, if you've heard of Julia Cameron, you'll know all about her technique of morning pages, which are basically a daily stream of conscious writing, which she says allows creativity to flourish. I did the Artist's Way book programme a couple of years ago and I found it very helpful. But there's a new edition of the book out and I was really chuffed to get Cameron on the podcast to share her insights and her wisdom and stories of her quite fascinating life. She used to be a screenwriter uh, back in the day and it was in her recovery from alcoholism that her creativity really began to flow and the tools behind the artist's way were born. She spoke to me about all that, about the very famous man she used to be married to and about why at 72 she still does her morning pages every single day without fail. I think you're really going to enjoy this. Here she is, Julia Cameron. Thank you so much for joining us on the Women's Podcast. Could I just ask you, first of all, to take me back, perhaps, to um, perhaps your darkest days? Because I think they're really crucial in all the transformative work that you've done since then. Well, I would say my darkest days ended January 25th, 1978. Uh, It was at the end of about a five-day period of blackout, round-the-clock drinking. Uh, And I woke up and I realized I needed a drink. 
And I realized it wasn't a lifestyle. It wasn't a um, something that was just a choice. Uh, it was actually an addiction. So uh, I got sober. That was my wake-up call. Uh, I um, woke up early in the morning uh, and reached for the bottle by the bed uh, and I, that I would use to drink myself back to sleep. Uh, and the bottle was empty. Uh, and it struck terror into my heart. Uh, and I realized, my God, the liquor stores don't open for several more hours. What am I going to do? And I thought, I'll call someone on the East Coast. This was, I was in California. Uh, and I phoned a girlfriend on the East Coast and said, what am I going to do? Thinking that I meant uh, my bitter divorce uh, from a man I was still in love with uh, and or my brilliant career. But she had had an alcoholic father, so she knew an alcohol-fueled phone call when she heard it. Uh, and she said, I'll call you right back. Uh, and uh, I thought, oh, my God, I've even lost Claudia. Uh, but the phone rang. It was Claudia. And she said, this is the number for an alcoholic named Susan. She wants to talk to you. I think you need to talk to another alcoholic. And I was very offended. Uh, and I said, Claudia, you don't really think I am an alcoholic. And Claudia just said, well, and let the syllable hang there. And I said, very uh, upset, all right, I'll call. Uh, and I called Susan, and I evidently said, Susan, I'm an alcoholic and a screenwriter trying to hold on to some prestige, uh, although I don't think of it as prestigious now. She said, I think you should talk to my friend Edie. Edie is an alcoholic and an actress. So they were doing a little matchmaking screenwriter, actor. Uh, and Edie came over to my house uh, and she said, hi, I'm Edie, I'm an alcoholic. And I thought, oh my Lord, it's exactly the kind of person I would get drunk at. Uh, and um, what happened was that Edie babysat me and we had shifts of alcoholics coming to the house to make sure I didn't pick up a drink before that evening when we were all going to meet. Uh, and um, so that's how I got struck sober. And that, as you asked the question, could I tell you my darkest days? Uh, those were my darkest days, drinking around the clock, blacking out, trying to write uh, in a little window of creativity before I got too drunk, uh, and uh, then finding that I overshot the mark uh, and my window of creativity closed again. So um, when I got sober, I was very uppity. Uh, I was 29. I had had a brilliant career up to that point, uh, and I said, if it's a choice between creativity and sobriety, I'm not sure I'm going to choose sobriety. Well, they said, uh, there is no choice. Without sobriety, there will be no more creativity. 
So I began to pray to a line from Dylan Thomas, the force that through the green fuse drives the flower. I thought, I can't believe in a conventional God, but I can believe in the force of creativity. Uh, and so that's what I turned my will and my life over to, uh, the force of creativity, and it's worked out. It certainly has. And we're going to talk about that. And I really, we're going to talk about The Artist's Way and the new beautiful edition of the book, uh, which has just transformed so many lives. But I think people will be interested as well to know about, you had quite the Hollywood lifestyle before then. I mean, you were moving in these circles. You were married to a very famous man. You mentioned your divorce. So you had everything really. Tell us about that bit, even though you were drinking and all of that stuff, there was amazing things happening for you too. Well, I... I don't usually like to talk too much about the first marriage uh, because it's 42 years later. So it feels like ancient history. Uh, And when I got together with my then husband, he was not yet famous. Uh, And I had been writing for the Washington Post and Rolling Stone. uh, And he showed me a script and I read it and I thought, oh, but parts of it don't work. So I blithely sat down and rewrote them uh, and handed them to him. Uh, And shortly after that, he decided we should be married. (laughs) But you will have to tell people what kind of scripts you were rewriting and who he was, because people are now very curious. Well, to satisfy your curiosity, uh, the script that I first picked up my pen and put to paper was on Taxi Driver. and. The director was Martin Scorsese. Uh, But as I said, uh, he wasn't yet famous. He was starting off. uh, So we were peers. Yeah. There was, there's a really, it comes at the end of the new edition. It's, I think it's another introduction to another um, edition of The Artist's Way, where you tell a really good story about being um, in a circle with people like, who again, who weren't famous, Brian De Palma and Steven Spielberg, they were artists themselves. Uh, I think Martin Scorsese was away in France and you were sitting with them. They bought you pizza. They were sort of consoling you while he was away. And at that time, Spielberg had a dream about a movie that he wanted to produce, but he wasn't feeling anybody was supporting him. Can you tell that story? Because I think it's really um, telling in terms of the artist in everybody, the struggling artist in everybody. Well, I think uh, what's important to know is that uh, Brian De Palma was a sort of godfather figure to these younger directors, Martin, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas. Uh, And um, so I was sitting there over bad pizza in in a hotel room in New York where they were watching me to make sure I wasn't dating while Martin was gone. Uh, And um, Stephen said, I want to make a movie about extraterrestrials, but I can't get anybody interested. uh, And I think I should just give up. And Brian said, Stephen, when you talk about extraterrestrials, you light up. I think you should keep trying. So um, supported by Brian's belief in him, uh, Stephen decided to keep trying. Uh, and uh, 
that became Close Encounters of the Third Kind and E.T. It's incredible. So uh, I think it's important uh, to talk about what I call believing mirrors. Uh, believing mirrors are people who see you as competent, uh, who see your dreams as possible, uh, who don't say to you, oh, Stephen, don't you think you might need something to fall back on? Uh, and what you find uh, is if you look at a successful career, you find that they have had the support, uh, perhaps of their family, uh, perhaps of their friends, uh, and uh, that the support has been what has gotten them through that critical period of fear. Uh, and um, when I met Martin uh, and Red Taxi Driver, uh, I um, called my mother uh, and I said, Mom, I've met the man I'm going to marry. And she said, does he know that? <laughs> so. Um, he was friendly to my dreams, and I was friendly to his dreams. Uh, and I think, um, you know, it's many years later. Uh, as I said, it's 42 years later. Martin and I have been divorced a long time, uh, and we've both had our separate career trajectories surrounded by our separate little groups of believing mirrors. Uh, and we both enjoyed a lot of success uh, that comes from having the courage to move past our fear into our dreams. Mm. That's a really beautiful thing that you talk about there. I think uh, people listening will recognize that because we all know the people who don't support us, but we also know the people who really cheer us on and champion us. And I know that's a big part of, of your whole philosophy. So you were there, you know, divorced, um, unhappy, uh, in recovery, you had a daughter as well, so you were a single mother, um, you know, raising a child. Can you talk to me about how you rediscovering and reigniting your creativity spawned this movement? How did that happen? Well, I didn't think of it as spawning a movement. I thought my friends are blocked. I've discovered some ways to stay unblocked, morning pages, artist dates, uh, turning uh, to the higher power to write through us. Uh, and I thought, I'll just write a little manifesto uh, and it'll help about 10 people. Uh, so um, what happened was I wrote the book uh, and I was represented at the time by a, an agent at the William Morris Agency, a very famous agency. Uh, and I took her a copy of The Artist's Way and showed it to her. And she said, oh, Julia, no one will be interested in this. You're a Hollywood screenwriter. Go back to writing movies. That's where you belong. Uh, and um, I got angry uh, and I started Xeroxing the manifesto uh, and sending it off to people whom I thought needed it. Uh, and what happened was that a Jungian, a man named John Giannini, who was a very famous Jungian, was teaching all over the world, and everywhere he taught, he would talk about the artist's way. 
And after he would leave, I would get these letters that said, I'm with the State Department in Switzerland. I hear you have a manuscript. So I started mailing it off. Uh, and um, it spoke to more than 10 people. I wonder, does that agent now, did she ever ring you up to say, I was very wrong, Julianne, I'm sorry? No, never. Okay. Escape the Ordinary with Green and Black's Organic Chocolate, sponsor of the Women's Podcast. A rich, intense chocolate to savour. You mentioned two things that some people will not know what you're talking about, so I think we should explain. You mentioned the morning pages and you mentioned artist dates. These are two things that are really important tenets of your 12-week course, which is contained in The Artist's Way. So could you explain both of those to us and how that can unlock people's creativity and what your philosophy is about the artist in all of us? Well, I believe we're all creative. I don't believe there's just an elite tribe and a few of us are creative. I believe we all have an inner core of creativity uh, that you might say is a spark of divinity. Uh, And um, I I found myself uh, in trying to unblock my own creativity, writing three pages of longhand morning writing about absolutely anything. And nobody told me to write these pages. It was just uh, literally an inspiration. Uh, And I would get up before my little daughter woke up and I would race to the table and I would write the pages. And I had been doing that for about 90 days because I was trying uh, to find a solution. I had written a movie for John Voight uh, and he had called me up and said, it's brilliant. And then I couldn't get him on the phone again. Uh, And so I thought, I'm heartbroken. It was a good movie. Uh, I need to find something to do besides movies. I can't stand these miscarriages anymore. Uh, And um, so I wrote Morning Pages and into my pages strolled a character. Uh, And I suddenly went, I'm not trapped anymore as a Hollywood screenwriter. I can be a novelist. I can write whatever I want to write. The fact is that I write. So the morning pages had unlocked the key to my creativity. Uh, And I went back to New York. I was living in Los Angeles uh, and I had been staying in New Mexico in the middle of nowhere. Uh, And I realized I need to be in the flow of life. So I went back to New York to Greenwich Village which is a great density of artists. Uh, And uh, as I was walking one day uh, in the afternoon, I I was praying. Uh, By this point, I had a habit of praying. Uh, And I was praying, what should I do next? And I heard, teach. I thought, oh my God, no, I don't want to be a teacher. I want to be an artist. So I called a girlfriend to complain. uh, And uh, I said, I've been told to teach. And she said, I'll call you back. I have these girlfriends doing this in my story. Uh, So Regina called me back and said, congratulations. You are now on the faculty of the New York Feminist Art Institute. 
your first class meets Thursday. So I thought, oh my God, I'm going to have to teach them what I've been learning. So I taught them about, I had painters, directors, actors, writers, all stymied. Uh, and they showed up hopeful that I could somehow teach them unblocking. And I said to them, now you must write three pages of longhand morning writing. But what happens is that if you write flat out without refilling your inner well, it's going to run dry. So you need to do a second tool. Here's the morning pages where you're saying, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. And you're sort of sending a telegram to the universe. Now you're going to go out once a week and do something festive. And they were appalled. Uh, they could understand working on their creativity and writing the damn pages. But the idea that they should have fun uh, and that it was an assignment was over their heads. But they were obedient. So the second tool of the artist's way is something called an artist's date. Uh, and it's frivolous. My favorite artist date is going to a pet store and petting a big bunny named George. So it's something that delights your inner child. Uh, and what happens is that as you take yourself out for fun, uh, you begin to have a sense of a benevolent universe. You begin to have intuitions, hunches, guidance. And it's as if you have built a radio kit uh, and with morning pages you're sending and then when you do an artist date, you flick the dial over to receive uh, and you get guidance uh, and a, a, a sense of a supportive universe. Julia, can I just ask you about the morning pages just to make it clear to everybody? This is not um, award winning writing you're talking about. This is a this is stuff that is flowing out of you. It's almost like emptying sort of. I wouldn't say a bin, but it's just releasing stuff from your stream of consciousness stuff. It's not stuff you're necessarily going to use as, you know, a novel or a screenplay or anything like that. What does it actually do, the morning pages? Well, I call them brain drain, which is exactly what you're talking about, uh, that you write everything from the petty and the absurd uh, to the profound, but you're not trying to write W capital writing. You're, you're just emptying out. Uh, I think of it as a form of meditation and you're writing down your cloud thoughts, the things that just go cruising through your consciousness. Uh, and I, I think it's important to say you don't set a topic. It's as if you have a little whisk, a little broom and you stick it into every corner of your life and you brush the debris into the middle of the room where you can do something about it. Does yeah. that help? That does help. Thank you very much. Now, you this book eventually came out from, from almost like photocopied pages that you were sending off to an actual book that became a bestseller selling not just to 10 people, 100,000, 200,000, a million. I think it sold more than, how many has it sold so far? Do you know? More than 5 million. Incredible. And you've had uh, dozens of other books as well and other um, creative endeavors. It was sort of at the beginning of, of what we now know as the self-help genre. 
But in a way, I think the artist's way is 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 that still stands on its own. You know, I don't think there's another kind of concept or self-help book like it. Would you agree with that? And do you think it was at the beginning of that of that kind of people realizing they could help themselves in a lot of areas? Well, I think what happened was that I fell in love. This was now after I'd been divorced and it's like 12 years later. I, and I met a man and I fell in love. And I, he was a blocked writer named Mark Bryan. Uh, and I said to him, would you like to be unblocked? Uh, I'm teaching a class in my living room. And he said, where's the book? Uh, and I said, I am the book. And he said, no, no, write it down. You could help a lot of people. And I thought, boy, he's pushy. Uh, I subsequently married him. Uh, that's how pushy he was. Uh, but what happened was that he realized that the book was important. Uh, and I would have had a tendency to play my cards sort of close to my chest. Uh, remember, I said I didn't want to teach. Uh, and what I found when I started teaching was that it unblocked me as an artist. Uh, and that there was no uh, conflict between being a creativity teacher uh, and being a creative artist. So um, I, I was hoping that people would sort of follow in my footsteps. Uh, and uh, they have. Yeah, they, they certainly have. Um, so now, would, if, you're to, if people are listening to you and they haven't heard of The Artist's Way, right, but there's a need or burning sort of feeling in them that they have creativity that they want to express. What, what, what would you say to those people who kind of have, have spent a long time feeling like they could do something, but being fearful of expressing themselves? Because I have a friend, when I told her I was going to be talking to you, she said, will you please ask her about late starters, people who just feel that they have so much that they want to do in, in a creative way, but have been blocked by that fear. How do you make that first move? Well, I think what I say to people is peek into the book and you will see that there are some guidelines and that they say we are all creative uh, and that many of us have become what you're talking about, which is something I call a shadow artist. It's somebody who is very creative but is afraid of pursuing their creativity probably because they've had too many worried people telling them uh, that they'll never make a living. Uh, and uh, so to the shadow artists, I say, take a tiny step, try writing morning pages. Uh, and what happens when you write morning pages is that you miniaturize the negative voice. Uh, and uh, so, uh, when the negative voice, I call my critic Nigel. So when, so when Nigel speaks up and says, oh, Julia, you're boring. I say to Nigel, Nigel, thank you for sharing. Uh, and I keep right on writing. So I think uh, that what you say to late bloomers is that it's never too late to begin again. Lovely. You've had an incredible amount of 
feedback. You talked about people, you helping people. You've helped people doing the artist's way in prisons, in hospitals. You've lots of famous people who um, have followed you, like Alicia Keys. Someone I really admire, Elizabeth Gilbert, said that there would be no eat, eat pray, love without the artist's way. What has it meant to you to, to get all this over the years, people telling you that they've, you've literally changed their lives? Well, I think this is where it comes down to trying to stay right-sized. Uh, I find when I'm practicing my own creativity uh, that I'm able to hear a compliment uh, and keep moving uh, instead of sort of dwelling on a puffed-up version of myself. Uh, I have to go back to the beginning all the time. I write morning pages still. Uh, and um, I find myself, uh, we, we're locked down, uh, as I, I suspect you are too, from the pandemic. Uh, and I wrote a play during the lockdown. Uh, and uh, I found myself every day saying, oh, dear God, I don't know what to write. And my guidance would say, just try. So it's that matter of just trying uh, that keeps you right-sized. Uh, and uh, I think uh, while it's sort of thrilling uh, to hear that Alicia Keys liked the artist's way, uh, it's also just sharing artist to artist. Uh, and people will sometimes say to me, Julia, aren't you afraid you're unblocking a lot of bad art? <laughs> uh, and what I say to them is, you would be astounded when we unblock people, that the people we unblock are often as talented or more talented than the artists that we lionize. So it's sort of a matter of courage that moves them center stage. So. Uh, Morning pages help nudge us towards center stage. I love your philosophy of, of right-sized, and you called your memoir Floor Sample. Tell us why you called it Floor Sample. Well, people will say to me, Julia, you're so productive, uh, and how can you do that? And I will say, well, I listen. I listen to guidance. I listen to the tools. Uh, I myself use the tools. Uh, and what happens if you use the tools faithfully is that you become unblocked. And so I am a floor sample of my own toolkit. I used my tools. I became unblocked. Uh, and uh, that's the secret of my, quote, brilliant career. Um, Julia, you're 72 now. Um, you're always going to be an artist, I suspect. I suspect you won't retire at any stage. It doesn't seem like something you would do. What is your life like now and what continues to inspire you? Like, where are you, for example, and what inspires you every day? Okay, I live on top of a mountain in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, and if I go out my front door to a dirt road up the up the mountain, I might see a deer, I might see a raven, uh, I might see a raccoon, uh, I might 
I walk my little dog and she chases lizards. Uh, and so nature is a great source of inspiration for me. Uh, and I have a network of friendships uh, that are people who I've collected over the years who are my believing mirrors. Uh, and they don't live in Santa Fe, most of them. Uh, and I call them up on the phone and I say, pray for my play, I'm stuck. <laughs> so I have people uh, who light incense and send prayers to the heavens uh, that I may please finish the work I'm engaged in. So uh, I do morning pages every day. I walk my dog. Uh, I um, find that if I'm not writing, I'm not happy. So I write. Uh, and um, I feel that there's inspiration to be had in the artistry of others. Uh, you saw at the beginning of this podcast, my friend Nick, uh, he's a wonderful poet uh, and a great hiker. And he climbs the mountains with 70 pounds on his back and then he comes home and writes a poem. Uh, and so when I meet him for dinner, I say, what are you up to? And he'll shove a sheet of paper across the table and say, here, and it'll be a new poem. So I think, uh, I, I also should say that my daughter uh, has grown up to be a wonderful artist. Uh, and she follows in my footsteps and in Martin's footsteps. Uh, and she has directed a romantic comedy. Oh. Uh, and uh, now she has a daughter of her own uh, who is becoming quite a little pianist uh, and who just made her first film at age eight. Wow. <laughs> so I think um, there's a lot to be said for surrounding yourself with creative people. Uh, I have my friend, uh, Emma Lively, uh, who has worked with me for 20 years. Uh, and when I call her up and say, I'm depressed, she'll say, did you write? <laughs> so they keep me on track. Yeah. Um, have you got anything wise to say about aging? Because people, some people struggle with that, getting older, you know, especially if they've had quite a vibrant, you know, life um, and they, yeah. So I just wondered how you are feeling at 72. Well, I worried. I thought, oh, I'm too old for a playwriting career. Uh, and I, I do guidance. So I'll write LJ for little Julie. And then I'll ask a question like, what about my plays? Uh, and then I'll listen and I'll hear your age is a benefit. So one of the things I believe uh, is that as, well, when I go out to teach, uh, it's very interesting. Uh, I'm, I find that I meet with a lot of respect and I think it's because I'm a crone. Uh, and people are like uh, willing to hear wisdom from a crone. 
when I wrote The Artist's Way, I was 42. Uh, and the um, first edition of the book has pictures of me. And I don't look old enough to have any bright ideas. So uh, I'm finding that aging has worked to my advantage. I, I won't keep you much longer, Julia, but um, I just wanted to say thank you for all your work. And just maybe a final word about this very strange time that we're living through. Has it affected your creativity at all? I know you've written the play, but what what have you observed um, about the many, many people you know who are creative, how it's affected them, this very locked down, very strange, worrying time? Well, I have a girlfriend that you may know named Judy Collins, who is a wonderful singer-songwriter. Uh, and when we first started lockdown, I found my days looming large and empty because I didn't have a writing project. Uh, and I called Judy and said, how are you coping with lockdown? And she said, oh, I'm playing the piano. I'm writing songs. I'm working on a new book. I'm I'm singing with a new partner. And... Uh, I found myself thinking, you're being vibrantly creative, and I, the queen of creativity, am doing nothing. So I was greatly relieved uh, when my guided writing said, you're ready to start a new project. Uh, And I said, but where do I begin? Uh, And I heard, start with songbirds, because I have songbirds outside my window. So I wrote, aren't they lovely? And that became the first line of a play. Wow. It's amazing how the inspiration can just fly in, isn't it? Yes. Um, Did you read Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, which I think is also very interesting on creativity and probably very inspired by you as well? Thank you. Yes, I have a copy of it on my coffee table. Very good. Um, well, Julia, thank you so much for talking to me. Is there any final words you would have to say about creativity? Again, to those scared people and people who maybe haven't got very good believing mirrors or don't have the support around them. I would encourage them to, I sound like a fanatic, uh, but I do believe that if we write morning pages, we are led to an inner source of strength. Um, I I think that when we write morning pages, we're contacting the universe, or if you want to call it God or the higher power or the muse. I don't think it matters what you name it, uh, but what does matter is that you contact it. Uh, and so I would say, try writing morning pages. Don't worry about them not being high art. Just do them and use them to gripe and grumble, uh, to be as petty as you wish. Uh, And as you do your pages, you're going to find yourself being led to expansion. Uh, And they'll suggest a risk and you'll think, I can't do that. Uh, And you'll put it aside. And the pages are a tough love friend, they nudge us. So they'll suggest the risk again and you'll think, I don't think I could do that. So then you keep writing pages and what happens is they suggest it again and you're finally fed up and you say, all right, I'll try.
Uh, And it is in the trying uh, that we are led to be larger. You mention higher powers a lot, and it's mentioned in the book, and this guidance and this voice coming from somewhere else. Have you anything to say to people who might find that a little bit hard to take because they're not religious or they don't necessarily believe in a higher power or those kind of things? Can, is it possible for someone who is a bit cynical about all that stuff to do the artist's way? I talk about it right at the beginning of the artist's way. I say, whoops, I'm going to use the word God. Don't let semantics be a block for you. Call it whatever you want. Uh, and I have recently done an interview with a man who began the interview with me by saying, I've been doing morning pages for 20 years but I'm an atheist uh, and I've been using the tools anyway. Uh, And I've written 13 movies. Uh, And I said to him, well, clearly you don't believe in God, but God believes in you. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. I think that's what I would say. I had, um, I got a, um, um, an email yesterday from a man who said, uh, I am a Jew and an atheist, but I find your book personally relevant. And so I felt like, well, that was a pretty good vote of confidence. Absolutely. Well, Julia, thank you so much for talking to us on the Women's Podcast. I think people are going to be really inspired by everything you have to say. And I definitely would urge everyone to buy The Artist's Way because it really is transformative. And um, and I think it's a force for good in the world generally, you know, a really good force for good. Thank you very much. The best of luck with everything. And with the play, I can't wait to see it someday. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much to Julia Cameron. I hope some of you might try the artist's way and get unblocked from whatever creative stumbling blocks are in your path. That's all we have time for. Remember, you can get in touch with us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at IT Women's Podcast, or you can email us on the Women's Podcast at irishtimes.com. Please do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already and tell all your friends about it too. The podcast is produced by me, Roisin Ingle, and by Suzanne Brennan with JJ Vernon on sound. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you next time. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.